Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your senior pastor. To give God our worry, and then he'll give us his peace. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It's going on verse 25. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation today. Why? Because I really like the way this lays it out. Really like this, okay? Matthew chapter 6, down to 25, and this is stunning what Jesus seems to say. He says, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. That they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now that is out of the NASB. And you'll see here the contrast when I move over to the New Living. Listen to this, okay? So I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, or clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? I think that's stunning right there, because oftentimes it does not. You see how the NLG puts it? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns, because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add even a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. Now, you may not think that this is a scripture typically used for Christmas, but I tell you that it is. It is. And this is why. You have so little faith. And who is Jesus talking to? Christians. He's talking to believers. How could that be? How could we celebrate Christmas and Easter and have little faith? What are you celebrating for if you have no faith? Or if you have little faith? You see, I think we have gobs of faith. I think we have to have big bunches of faith. I think our faith ought to just roll from us. And it will if Christ has control of you. It will. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And He will give you all you need from day one. And from day to day, if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries, and today's trouble is enough for today. Now, as I begin to think about that, it, it really stunned me, and I thought, you know, this is, 
This is the most wonderful time of the year. There's, there's a song out there that even says that. Right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, for me, you know that the most wonderful time of the year is Christmas in Hawaii. That's, for me, the most wonderful time of the year. I've spent a lot of Christmas days on the beach in Hawaii. Why? Because I lived there and I loved it there. And people ask me, what are you doing here? But the fact of the matter is, I'm a warm weather guy. But here's the thing. The wonderful time of the year isn't about where you are. It's about what it means. And who you are because of it. So it's the most wonderful time of the year. And here's the deal. It's also the most stressful. Has anybody been stressed out? Nobody in here has been stressed out. Come on, you guys. You're stressed out. We're so busy, so we ask, how am I going to fit all this in? And you know what? Here's another thing. I'll bet you a dollar to donut. We're so financially overextended, so we ask, how am I going to pay for it all? Have you noticed that things are more expensive this year? How many of you spent more on Christmas this year than you ever have? And how many of you think that the stuff you're buying is more, mostly junk? Because the quality isn't there. It's not. You've done any shopping. So those of you who are giving cash, you're brilliant. Gift cards, brilliant. I personally have always thought I would rather get something because it shows the thought, you know. But I'm also getting over this ease of things. That kind. Of, I think there's a somewhere in your life you kind of ease from one to the other. But this is a problem, and so we're spending more, so we're overextending. And we wonder how we're going to do it. And we're compelled to overextend financially because we feel like people are expecting more from us. Don't tell me we haven't done that. Who's never gone into debt at Christmas? Amen. Amen. Well, if you haven't, you're more brilliant than me. Amen. And so we're reminded of our deepest hurts. So we ask, how am I going to make... How am I going to make it just to get through? How am I going to just get enough to get through this? And so Jesus addresses this thing of worry head on in one of the most important sermons ever preached, which is obviously the Sermon on the Mount. And so it must be an important topic when it comes to our relationship with God. Let me explain this. You see, there's a difference between worry and caution, and I'm not sure we know the difference. Is this a Christmas message? Yeah. Yes, it is. Because we don't have the peace that God wants us to have. The last thing Christ wants on the celebration of his birthday. Hey, we're not recording today, right? Or are we? We're live. Oh, we're live. Okay. So I can't go in. Okay. I was hoping I could, you know, really cruise out here. Okay, so we, we struggle, guys, and this is how we do it. Jesus never intended for his people to worry and freak out and be stressed out on his birthday. In the season, this is the most wonderful time of the year. He didn't. And yet that's exactly what we've made it. Or somebody's made it. You understand? It's important that we grasp this. 
And there's a difference between worry, worry and caution. We should be wary of dangerous situations. I don't doubt that. I agree with you. But there's a difference between worry and wisdom, too. You understand? Being conservative in your decision-making doesn't mean you're worrying. It could mean you're just wise. We're also not talking about certain kinds of anxiety that have to do with the trauma that you've been through or perhaps a struggle with depression. We're talking about worry that we could absolutely avoid. First, let's define it. I mean, really, what is worry? Because everybody's going to have a different opinion about worry is. Some people worry so much that it's just part of who they are, they don't recognize it as worry anymore. My grandmother was like that. She literally... Well, one of them. I think they both did. But one in particular. Literally, if you were under the age of, like, 14, you could go to Grandma and Grandpa's candy door, and my, even my children ran to that candy door. Didn't you guys? Yeah. Oh, you see? They know. They would, they, we'd go to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and they, would, they knew and, and that's the first place they went. Can, and Grandma had always had candy in there. But if there were ever hard candy, you know, like... Um, uh, Brock's, you know, candies and such. Unless you were under over 14, you, Grandma won't let you have one. You might choke, you know. I'm, Grandma, I'm 15! <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. She did that. Okay. She worried, and she worried, and she worried. And I think, okay... And Jesus addressed it this way in the scripture. Remember what he said. Today's trouble is enough for today. In fact, he says several things about worry. He says, number one, it's unnatural. Uh, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't behoove nature to worry. And he said, worry is unhelpful. In fact, he says, it really doesn't change anything. At all. And it was clear that worry can be unchristian. Why? And this is the key because it reflects a lack of faith. It reflects a lack of faith. So here's a million dollar question. Well, how do I give God my worry and instead experience his peace? Because everybody in here wants to know that. And I wish I could go, Dominus Onus, and you have it. I wish I could just export it and say, this is how it is. But the fact of the matter is, friends, experience is everything. We learn from our experiences, good and bad. Amen. That's true. That's true. We gain knowledge and wisdom. We learn what to do and what not to do from our experiences. You know what the problem is? We experience a lot of things in life, but not necessarily in the spiritual realm. And there's the problem. You gain wisdom and knowledge when you exercise the spiritual. There you go. That's right. And that's the key right there. And so, how do you do it? Well, let me give you some ideas. Number one, let Jesus be your king. There you go. That's right. He's got to be the king. And you're thinking, well, we're in a Christian church here. We're all Christians. Why would you have to tell us that? We know that. No, we don't. I don't think we do. I think at one time, the church... Knew Jesus as king. Well, I think the modern church is struggling with that. We'll say it. We might even actually believe it. But I'm not sure he really is. 
So ask yourself this question. What deserves the most prominence in my thought life? What deserves the most prominence in my thought life? Hmm. Now, here's the other question. How possible is it? I'm just spitballing here. How possible is it that Jesus doesn't get the most prominence in your life? I mean, would any of us really be able to honestly say that Jesus is the most prominent thing in our lives? Now, some of you might say it. Some of you could say it and say, yeah, it'd be true. But here, here's my belief system. I believe if, if you look at the church universal all over the world, I'll bet you there are people in the church today where he is not. I'll bet you. I mean, is our spouse, our children, our money, our house, our cars, are they the most prominent things in our lives? Or maybe it's not anything like that. Some people believe that their happiness ought to be the most prominent thing in their lives. And when I counsel people, I'll ask them, well, what do you want? I just want to be happy. Well, I get that, but I mean, what do you want? I just want to be happy. Oh, come on. If you really wanted to be happy, you'd find out what the source of joy is, and then it would bring you happiness. But because you're trying to find artificial ways to bring yourself happiness, you don't have it. Amen. You don't have it. Amen. That's right. You see, the only issue is you can't really have true happiness that lasts without putting Jesus first. He has to be king. All right, number one. Or to be honest, our Christianity is going to be called into question. If Jesus is not your king, your Christianity will be called into question. Now, here's, let, me, let me let you know something. If anybody questions my Christianity, if anybody questions your Christianity, what's the first thing we do? We get defensive. Instead of saying, huh, wonder why they did that. Right? That's what happens. No, it's like, oh, we get defensive. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter what people do. It will matter when God calls your Christianity into question. That's correct. That's it. That's it. I would say we have quite a problem. That happens. Amen? Amen. And so how do we make Christ king? Well, when we make Jesus our king, everything's going to change. When you make Jesus your king, everything's going to change. In fact, when you put Jesus first, his kingdom will come first. Right? When, you, when he's actually your king, then his kingdom and everything involved in it will be first in your life. So here's, here's a better way of looking at it. If the kingdom of God isn't the most prominent thing in your life, there's a possibility that Jesus is not your king. Oh, we don't want to hear that. We really don't. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to say that. Problem if it is, I'm not. God is. You see, when we make the kingdom first because he's king, it makes God's kingdom and his purposes in his kingdom our primary concern. And I'll bet you that sometime today that was not your priority. 
I suspect sometime today, the kingdom of God will not be your priority. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't live, right? I had one person tell me one time, look, I'm going to be praising God all the time when I'm in heaven. I'll wait till then. Somebody actually said that to me once. I thought, hmm. And you know what? You, you, you really don't ever want to argue that because that person is not going to listen. Not. They're missing the whole thing. But when you make God's kingdom your primary concern, then you don't have to worry about a lot of things in your life. Do you know how I learned that? I actually do. It was a struggle at times. Sometimes it still is. All right. All right. Have you ever felt like, you know, I just don't feel like being a Christian right now. I just don't feel like it. Come on. Let's be honest. Especially if somebody has really ripped you off. And you just want to tell them a thing or two. And there might be some other reasons and things that might happen. But the fact is, it does. But here's the deal. Our worry, my friends, would be much less if we only followed the plan that's laid out for our salvation. And our lives here on earth, that's what would happen. Our worry would be less if we followed the plan for our salvation and our lives on earth. Because you see, the problem with it is, is I want heaven, but I kind of sort of like to tell God, you know, I kind of want to live my life my way. It's almost like we feel like we're going to miss out on something if we surrender. You won't, but you think you will. And sometimes we're kind of like, anybody ever uh, watched Pinball Wizard or been playing? I mean, pinball used to be a game when, gosh, that, if you, people that were good were good. I, I don't know if I've seen the pinball machine in a while. Anybody? But here's the thing. I've seen guys that can play that thing for hours. You know, I play it about, you know, and it's, it's, it's in the drain. Who in here does not know what a pinball machine is? Well, you don't get out much, do you? But, okay, so, but when I used to watch that little silver ball, sometimes that feels like life to me. I'll, I'll sit in my desk sometimes, or I'll sit at home, I'll be like, I, I, I don't know where the date went. I didn't accomplish a darn thing. And I stepped, you know, on myself all day long. Everything I touched, everything I did was worthless. I just want to just forget about this day. It happens. Because we are pulled in so many directions and bounced around so much that we're not effective at anything. That's not a, a big deal if it's a temporary thing. But if it's every time, all day, no, we have problems. So I'm for the idea that we allow God to permeate in us so much that his kingdom purposes are what we live for. That becomes our priority. And we will watch everything in our life filter properly to the point that this kind of stuff won't happen anymore. It'll happen on occasion. But by and large, not like it did. I know that because I did. Secondly, 
We have to live one day at a time. That's what he's talking about here. You and I both know you are not living one day at a time. You have been planning for your Christmas celebration for months. Some of you for longer than that. Some people, as soon as Christmas is over, they're planning for the next one. I've seen them do it. Not that that's bad. But I'll tell you something. Jesus says, none of you can add even one more day to your life. You can't. You see, I think sometimes we're too worried about the future. What it is, what it isn't, and what we're afraid of. We do. But God gives us enough power and strength for today, and yet always for tomorrow as well, whether we know it or not. In fact, he doesn't equip us to prevent all the future situations we're going to go through. You have to understand this. Much of it has to do with their own choices and consequences. Did you know that? I've seen people who you know, have come to me, and I know what the situation is, and they've told me, and I've seen their behavior through it, and they'll say, I don't understand why God's doing this to me. I'm like, God, have you looked in the rearview mirror lately? Amen. You don't see the destruction behind you? Your own choices and consequences? See, we don't want to own up to who we are. We don't want to own up our own decisions. Anybody here big enough to admit that you've made some pretty bad mistakes in your life and it caused you to, right? Yes. Go through some turmoil that you otherwise might not have. Yes. Amen. Everybody in here should have written their hand up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Much of it has to do with just certain consequences. A lot of it has to do with other people, right? Because listen, I'm telling you, everybody in here has got somebody that gets on their very last nerve. <laughs> and I, I heard one person say, this is not too long ago, I can't remember where I was. Was I at the gas? I was at the gas station. And there was a couple, uh, uh, and they, they were funnier than I'll get out, I'm telling you. And I had to stop gas in my vehicle just to sit and look at them. <laughs> and I had to even kind of... <laughs> now, I want to hear what was going on because they were hilarious. They started, this argument was in the car, and then it came outside the car. <laughs> and uh, they kept going on and on and on at each other, right? Mm -hmm. And and I can't remember exactly what she said, but I'm telling you, I literally had to turn my head because I was laughing so hard. She she destroyed this guy, <laughs> you know. But I thought as soon as he stops gassing his vehicle, he's going to go back in and give her. His part of it. And I'm thinking, this is a couple. And they were destroying each other. And it was funny. And it wasn't. But other people cause problems to us. I've heard people say, you know, you were the bane of my existence. That's kind of rough. Is it? Yikes. Did you know that society can cause you to go through hardship and grief? Do you think the government causes some of that? Some of our laws or lack of them? Yeah. And other times, it's simply Satan and the things he does. Yeah. But God, see, does promise to give us the strength 
to deal with whatever comes toward us today. He gives you the strength to deal with what comes today and tomorrow and the day after that. Just take it one day at a time. He's always going to be there. Because the interesting thing to me is that oftentimes that isn't good enough for us. Well, God, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm grateful that you're looking out for me today, but what about tomorrow? You going to be there tomorrow? Oh, and how are you going to do that, God? I mean, I'll quit worrying if you just tell me how you're going to do it. Nobody in here ever did that. We want God to tell us how he plans to take care of us. Instead of just accepting his promise that he will. It's almost like we can accept or reject whether we want his help or not. Do you see how ludicrous that sounds? And yet, I think we've done that. But we have to remember, remember a couple other things. One, Jesus told us not to worry about tomorrow. You know what the scripture said. Okay? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means tomorrow, right? I mean, is it tomorrow part of forever? Is, you know, Thursday and Friday, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, are they part of forever? I think so. Which means... Whatever he provided yesterday, he has the ability to provide today and yes for tomorrow. So why worry that he won't? And yet we will. Typically, because we have this anxiety about what tomorrow brings or how God's going to deal with it. Because you know that all of us think we have a better idea about what God ought to do for us rather than just relying on him. There you go. That's, that's, really, that's really what the crux of the matter is. That's it. That is it. If, you really want to get, if you really want to get down into it, that's what it is. And this is the key. I mean, how could we ever have faith in God, trust in God, or rely on God if all we want to do is get God to show us the future of things? Mm. I want you to think about that for a second. It doesn't take rocket science to figure this one out. This is humanity, though. See? I mean, how, how could we? Because that wouldn't require any faith, and we wouldn't have it. You understand that? You wouldn't have any faith because it wouldn't be required of you. If God told you everything that was happening in the future, you wouldn't need faith. And so you wouldn't. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said in Matthew 17, 20, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a what? A mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible, impossible for you. You see, the disciples were lamenting that there were spiritual things they just could not do. Friends, I have to admit, I lament about a lot of things I can't do. And Jesus is saying here that faith is the key, though. That's what he was telling them. And you know, he kind of has the same message for me and you. Do you think the message of Jesus is the same to us when we struggle with certain things just like they did? Do you think he was always speaking to those 12 guys and those 11 guys, and then those 12 guys again? Huh? You know, do, do you? Do you think their time was really that much different than ours? Do you think the devil wasn't just as prevalent then as he is now? Do you think 
Their humanity was somehow different. Did they, you know, did they live in a simpler time? Yes. But that's not the point. One day at a time. One day at a time. When your anxiety is about the future, stop worrying about tomorrow and concentrate on today. And make sure God's in it. <laughs> and when you do that, it will change your attitude like that. Start, put on Christian music. Let me give you another thing. Write this down. Get some crayons, colored pencils, and color. You think I'm kidding, don't you? Anybody here got grandchildren? Color with them. I hate that, but I'll do it. <laughs> You'll spend time with them, and you know what? They'll, they'll, they'll watch you. Every time. Instead of doing that here, they'll, they'll, their strokes will get smaller. Mm -hmm. Am I right, teacher? Yeah. Yo! Kid, listen, kids are into it. They want, they want to do better. Then they keep asking, is, is, this, is mine good? Uh -huh. Do you know that coloring for an adult is some of the best things yes. on the planet? How many of you knew that? Who didn't know it? Yeah. yeah. So do that. One day at a time, my friends. Don't let anxiety, worry, steal your joy. Because it will. Thirdly, lean on the faithfulness of God. Now, this is a big one. Now, let me tell you why. Because, again, I don't think we are. Okay. To lean on the faithfulness of God. We actually, friends, have to first believe that God is actually faithful. Look, you can't lean on the faithfulness of God if you don't think he's faithful. And how can you say God is faithful when you come up here and or wherever you are, you ask God to do something and you're faithful in, in, to what he has to say. And he's faithful back to you, okay? And then you get up and wonder if he's going to do it. Now, wait a minute. What are we saying? Right? But to believe God is faithful, you have to first believe in God. <laughs> I mean, do you know how many Christians there are out there that I'm not sure really believe in God? You can't put those two things in the same sentence. Yeah, we can't. We can't do it. I mean, you, you can't. Did you know that the Bible tells us that even the demons believe? That doesn't make them a Christian, does it? Nope. Well, they couldn't be anyway, because the plan didn't for them. But you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I had a person ask me one time, well, well Pastor, can, can, you know, can the devil get saved? No. no. The plan of salvation isn't, is for humans. Right? It's not, it's, not, it's not for created beings. At least the Bible doesn't indicate it. At least, at least the salvation we're offering Angels are outside of that. They're not. In fact, the Bible indicates to us that those who have fallen already know what happens to them. You see? Thank you. But you know, it's strange when, when we call ourselves Christians, but we act in ways that prove we don't even believe in God in the first place. See, you can't be a Christian by growing up in a Christian home. No, you cannot. You're not a Christian by association with grandma or grandpa or mom and dad or whatever. You're not. I, 
that people actually tell me that. Well, Grandma prayed for me. I'm sure she did. But until you make a decision, you're not saved. There you go. That's it. What? Again. <coughs> That's a stunning thought. And here's the other thing. To believe in God, you have to have faith. That's where it starts. Do you see this? It's come full circle. They all go together. It's amazing how that works. Isn't it? So how do we lean on God's faithfulness? Well, first of all, we're going to talk to God about it and let him remind us of his promises. You know, don't you just hate it when you're questioning God and then all of a sudden he starts reminding you of his promises. Because let me tell you something. If you start arguing with God or questioning God or uh, giving God grief about how he did it or what he did or didn't do or whatever it is, if you're really his, all of a sudden, and, and then you open up the word of God, listen, this, if, if you don't want to be enlightened, when you're upset with God, don't open his word. That's what I'm going to tell you. Now, here's what's going to happen. As soon as you do it, it's stunning where your eyes will go. It's almost like God said, if you're like, oh, 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 uh-uh, okay, and so now God's got you right there, and you're like, oh, God, and, and you're trying to, because God's got you right there now, and you're like, oh, that's it, he will remind you of his promises to you every time. But to know God's promises, friends, what do you have to do? Well, here's the thought. Study the Word of God to find out what they are. That's right. Don't you think you should be in the Word of God learning what His promises to you are? Okay. If I went around the room, started with Pastor Chris, I went through Bishop, I went and zigzagged back and forth, took the mic down there and said, tell me what God's promises are. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid before we got to the third row, people wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't, we have to start repeating over because people don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know what they are, we're not in here. Because oh. God's promises are even more than what's written. Friends, you've got to be in here. You really do. You really do. You want to get rid of worry and anxiety? Spend time right here. That's your sanctuary. Because you can make a sanctuary wherever you are in the Word of God. Yes, It'll just be there for you right there. I've done it. I'm telling you. And, and listen, and I, th this is a fact. This is a fact. A good friend of mine, uh, uh, well, uh, there's a, a deputy sheriff who's a friend of mine who, who's done it. An, another friend of mine, there's a guy, some of you guys know Jason Calloway, was a trooper. He used to uh, go to church here before he moved. <laughs> They've shared things with me before about this. Jason, Jason told me once that he, he had had about all he could take uh, with a couple of things. And the first thing he did was pull over his car, go into the back, pull the scripture out, and sit on the side of the road and read the scripture. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, I just stopped. He said, you know what? I thought, what in the world? Right there it is. Right, the scripture's right there in the back seat. It's right there. It's been there. And it's been, it, he said, I, I even turned and looked at it a couple of times. And, I, and I, I just couldn't bring myself to go back there and get it. Because I just wanted to be upset. Thank you very much. 
He said, so I dragged myself back there and I got it out. And sure enough, before I got back into the car, it was only 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, things were different. Amen. Now, isn't that stunning? <laughs> isn't that stunning? I'm not 100% sure because there's this factor in here of your ability to accept it. <laughs> but I would venture to say that if you were to try that, it would work for you. What do you think? Amen. question is, are you willing to set aside your pride? All right? All right. Do you know how many times the Word of God, when I was in a poor, foul mood or whatever it was, was beckoning to me and I knew it was there and I tried to avoid it? Right? And that's the first place I should have been. But no, here's what we want to do. We want to seek out other people Right? And get their take on it. Well, if you do that, choose wisely. I think here's a better, a better option. Start there. God will lead you to the people that will give you the word you need to hear, and Satan will lead you to people that you don't need to hear. That's right. That's right. That's a fact. You, you, you can't be that ignorant not to know that. Nobody can be. And somehow, some way, oh, yeah. that's exactly what we do. Does misery love company? I believe it does. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. You need to know what God's promises are. Praise you have to be in the Word of God. Which means, God has to be the king of our lives. Or we're not going to go there. You see how this is all coming back around? God has to be the king of your life, which helps us to rely on God and therefore not worry about tomorrow, which means we'll just live one day at a time and not worry about the future and what God might or might not do. That's right. That's right. And I know people are thinking, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. It's exactly that simple. Thank you. Thank which means we'll simply trust that God's going to take care of us and then we'll be happy to lean on his faithfulness. Why? Because he's God. Paul says to us in Philippians 4, 6, New Living Translation, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, there's two things that Paul tells us uh, to do with worry. This is what Paul says. First of all, tell God about it. Take it to him in prayer. You've got to start there. You have to start there. God wants you to communicate with him. And he's not particularly concerned of, you know, <laughs> what it is. Did you notice that we almost sort of uh, pick and choose what we're going to go to God with? Has anybody here ever done that? You pick and choose what you're going to go to God with. Because some things you can handle yourself, thank you. And then other things, well, you know, God, this is kind of outside of my control, so I need you to handle this. Now, a, a very wise pastor once told me, when I was furious, said, you're angry, you better believe it. Take it to God. God don't want me to go to him in my anger. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. 
I assure you that he does. Because here's what happens. No matter how you go to God, you're going to come out a little different. So will. Who's experienced that lately? You, no matter how you go to God, you'll come out different. Just being in his presence. So take it to God in prayer. Right? And thank him then for what he has done. See, there's the problem. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yes. Not too many of us get slam dunked, stepped on, hurt, and then go thank the person that did it. If you do, you're a specimen. See, the problem here is, because God is sovereign, in our minds, because we know that God can keep us from all things, God can do all things, God can perpetrate all things, because we know God can do these things, even keep us from things, because we know it, but if he doesn't, then all of a sudden we're angry with God because of it. Okay? That's a fact. We do that. And so, rather than going to God when we're angry, we refuse to thank Him for what He has done. Amen. You have to. That's right. God deserves our thanks and praise all the time. And if you really belong to Him, if He's really your King, you will thank Him for what He has done, even when you don't understand what's happening. Thank you. So the real question here for everybody in here, is God king of your life? And maybe your thought process about it is different now than it was when you walked in today. See, that's, that's my aim. Is God king of your life? I mean, have you gone to him in prayer, whether you're angry or not? And have you thanked him for what he has done? Amen. When you start thanking God for what he has done and take your focus off what you think he hasn't done, it will change you. It'll change you right now. Now, I suspect the people in here know that. Thank you. Do you know that gratitude, friends, refocuses our minds on the goodness and the gifts of God rather than the problems that are around us? Thank you, Lord. So what are we focusing on? Well, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Jesus said something about another issue in John 8. I want... I, 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 I hope I explain this properly that you grasp what I'm trying to say. He said to Johnny, the poor will always be among you, but you will not always have me. Amen. I want you to understand where I'm going with this. I realize that this might not have a lot to do with worry. But it's interesting to me that the irony here is apparent. You see, friends... Worry works the same way. I think worry will always be around us. Glory. But we might not always have him. Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? Glory. Now, I know by the power of the Spirit, we always have. But we're pretty good at blocking the Spirit, see? We're pretty good at kicking the Spirit out of certain things. 
And if you are filled with the Spirit, it's pretty hard to be filled with worry. Come on, man. That's right. Amen. Does that make sense to you? Amen. When I read that verse, I'm thinking, gosh, that could be a lot of things. Worry will always be in play within us. It will even consume us. Lord knows it has. Jesus was saying that there will always be the poor and you won't be able to help all of them, nor should you. I get that. But I'm also saying we can't help all the poor and we can't even help some of the poor all the time as much as we want to. The same is true with worrying. If you can't do anything about it, then why are you worrying? How about trying to gain more of the Spirit? How about trying to infill within you the Spirit? Why not get into the Word, spend time, go to God in prayer, talk to Him about it, and thank Him for what He has done? That's a pretty, write those things down. This is a pretty easy process. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what time it is, the situation matters not. It works. This is the formula. Thank you. It is. Thank you. Get in the Word of God. Talk to Him about it, whether you're angry or not, and then thank you for what He has done. Amen, church. You see, the beauty of this is, even though Jesus has bodily ascended, He is and always will be with us in spirit. He saw to that before He left. So if we apply what he said, we would stop worrying about worry and start spending time with him. That's what Amen. we would really do. Amen. Amen. That would change everything. For listen to what Paul concludes uh, in, in Philippians in the next verse. He says in 4, 7, uh, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. That's right. Now, just ponder on that for a second. We'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In other words, we can't really understand God's peace. Well, I sure want it. He says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, there's that presence again. When the presence is with you, right? When it's there, now we can have these things. So when you're having anxiety, when you're having worry, when you're having these things that you struggle with, I would say, let's have more spirit. Let's have more presence of God. Let's be with Him. That will change it. I suspect if you don't have any of those things, you're not spending time here. You're not praying. You're not talking to God. You're not thanking Him for what He has done. I believe that, friends. You see... When we make Jesus our king, it takes care of everything. It does. It does. It does. And as our worship team comes this morning, understand. Oh, Jesus. When Jesus is king, everything falls into place. Thank it was designed by God long ago to do exactly that. When he is king, nothing falls on us. Our entire well-being, the responsibility is on the king. When you're his, 
when you belong to him, your well-being is in his hands. It's in his hands. Now that doesn't mean we're supposed to be lazy bums. And God will just take everything. I didn't say that. In fact, I believe, and you know I believe, that God helps those who... Yeah. Yeah. But there has to be... The correct ingredient. The balance. What it does mean is that we have an advocate before the Father at all times. Do you believe that? And when that happens, God's faithfulness is invoked and God's faithfulness is seen. We experience all that God has to bestow upon us, including all the blessings He has promised. And it will always be so. So why not just go one day at a time with God knowing He'll always be there? Now, I remember a number of years ago. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.